Welcome to The New Exchange, a podcast series that explores how everyone has a story to tell. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and I gotta be honest, today's episode is where I allowed myself to be the ultimate fanboy. Our guest is my friend Puni Ghana, one of the most important music photographers in the world, and someone who's been a constant inspiration to me over the years. She's toured the world with artists like Foles, Cage the Elephant, Glass Animals, and so many more. If there's an artist that you love, there's a great chance that they've done a shoot with Pune. Originally hailing from Austin, Texas, Pune's approach to photography is something that marvels me every day on so many levels. From the colors to the humanity that she's able to convey on stage and off, her work is just insanely unique, and every time I see her photos, I'm reminded of what you can achieve when a camera is in your hands. Along with being an insanely talented artist, She's also a profoundly humble human being that simply lights up any room that she's in. On this episode, we chat about how her career began, working intimately with the likes of Black Pumas and Damon Auburn, and most importantly, why it always helps to be a fan above anything else. Remember that if you like today's episode, to also check out some of our older episodes, and also sign up for the newsletter over at newexchangepod.com. This is the New Exchange with Pune Ghana. Enjoy. I have to say, it is truly an honor and a privilege to be chatting with the one and only Punigana. It's funny because, you know, when people hear this, they'll have heard an intro where I've probably said your name two or three times, but one more time can't hurt. How the hell are you? I'm, I'm lovely, Ken. It's so great to like, thank you for having me on this. You know, we've known each other for a while now, just through festivals and shows and you know you've been doing this podcast for a while and it's yeah it seems like it's going really great and you're getting like a lot of great people on it and yeah thanks for asking me yeah I'm I'm good I just flew from New York and yeah yeah anytime (laughs) honestly because like honestly I've definitely wanted to have you on for a long time it's funny how you said like we know each other for a while because I think I met you at a governor's ball like maybe five or six years ago and I remember running up to you going like it's you (laughs) <laughs> so I was like when I knew I was going to talk to you and I was like prepping the things I wanted to ask you I figured that the best way to start in just the context of your work would be with this because I don't know if you might remember this but when we first met you mentioned how there was a photo you took of Damon Albarn in Hyde Park that I really love it's a photo where he's like really close and there's like a shadow of a hand on his face yeah, <laughs> I, would just, I would just love for you to tell the story behind that photo, because I think that's just like a really good way to start. Yeah, I mean, that was the year Blur reunited at Hyde Park. I think it was 2010, maybe. Yeah. Um, and they were doing like a series of shows. And it, like the shows were like incredible. Um, it was like, you know, Vampire Weekend opening, Foles opening. And it was just like kind of a mini Blur festival, basically. That's before I was like really doing photography. Like I'd just gotten a digital camera. Or like it was before I was like, like I was getting photo passes here and there, but for the most part, I was still just fan, I guess. And like, or I couldn't just like, you know, get a photo pass to a blur show. Um, And also I was still, you know, I wish I had the energy now, but I was just like one of those people that would go wait at noon to like go get front row centers. I remember my friend and I at the time we got, we got tickets and I, I had my 5D Mark II and was somehow able to get it in to the show. And 
yeah, I mean, that was like completely, it was one of the greatest shows I ever experienced, but it was also cool. Just, I don't know, I just had the camera on me and, you know, I felt that that was like a really intense moment of the show. And yeah, it was also just like kind of an accident, but it was maybe, maybe that was like my slow intro into like really coming to love live music photography, you know, (laughs) experiences like that. (laughs) It was kind of like a catalyst because I think what's so special about how that all came about and I think you were like a teenager when you took that, right? Like you're pretty Yeah, amazing. I'm trying to remember, or maybe That's it was 09. So I was either 19 or 20. Yeah. I, well, I, I just, I, I wanted to start with that because I think what's amazing is that even though your work has evolved over the years and like gotten better and better, it's interesting how you could see a photo like that from so long ago. And there's still character within how you would genuinely approach something with your eye. Like I find that, as years go on, I think about like that shot and the story you told me about it. Like, that's just really fascinating. You know? Yeah, well, I mean, that experience, like experiencing that just like over the years and like live music is like obviously changed my life. And I got into photography just kind of separately. Well, I mean, I got into photography actually because of like a White Stripes Holga camera that they put out. I was just like, oh, like I haven't heard of a Holga before. And I went and found Lamography that way. So like they, I guess since the beginning, they were always like kind of connected, but it was two different worlds that I was like very passionate about and somehow figured out a way to like bring them both together. And in a lot of ways by accident, you know, at first I was like the person going to shows and taking photos with the band or just like have my little like compact camera in the crowd. And then from there, just my passion for both kept growing. Like I knew I wanted to do something in the music world, but at first I didn't really know what that looked like. And this just kind of like naturally fell into place because it has changed my life. And so that's how I want to capture it as well. Like what I'm experiencing, like I want people to be able to feel that. And like, hopefully some of my photos do that. (laughs) I feel like they do. And you know, what's really lovely about everything you just said is that I think it would sound obvious to some people, but I think it's so important to say that it's beautiful how where you are now is indicative of starting out as a fan first, which I think sometimes people forget when they think about like having an arc or having a career in like something like this, where it's like being able to approach it from just a genuine sense of like, I love this thing is so important. Oh yeah. Like, absolutely. Like, I hope I never get like jaded by this. Cause I don't like there, you know, I, I'm constantly getting excited about like new music and, and new things in photography and it, and I, I know they have the same effect on like other people as well, you know, and, going and experiencing live music and like seeing how people react to it also like kind of you know keeps you from getting jaded as well I feel like when you care about something a lot it's something that like you kind of don't let your yourself get like stagnant with it you know I always feel like there's something in photography like I can be learning there's always like new music to discover you know I feel like with everyone just trying to find that balance with Acknowledging like how far you've come, but also still having that drive to keep pushing yourself to do more. And I feel like I realized with photography was something that came very naturally, which is what like kind of drew me to it and what eventually pushed me enough to just be like, fuck everything else. Like, I'm just (laughs) going to like go for this and see if I can make it work and just kind of like I went to college, I got a degree, but the entire time 
I have a marketing degree. Like it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. Make all the jokes you want. I, I totally, I'm here for them. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, the whole time I was just doing photography, like on my own. And then by the end of college, start doing it like full time. I kind of, it was similar. For, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, it's always good being able to do that. It was a little similar for me where um, when I started out, first band that took like a really big shot at me was um Tudor Cinema Club and it was yeah. around their first album and they would invite me out to shows in different states and even in Europe sometimes and I was in college and I remember I would skip class a couple times and just go to their shows mm-hmm. and uh, I started like covering stuff for blogs and I remember there was CMJ here in New York which for people listening who don't know it's like the poorest attempt at like a south by southwest thing in New York City basically but um, yeah, I have some good CMJ memories, but yeah, you're right. I think like as chaotic as, I mean, I'm, I'm just speaking to artists. It's like South by is chaotic, but CMJ is like, when you're trying to do that kind of format in New York, it's just like oh, yeah. when you're a band with a van trying to run around the city. It makes absolutely no sense. But I remember um, having a moment where I took almost like three or four days where I was skipping school but I was like still going uh, on campus to like the computer lab between sets. Like I would shoot like a CMJ set, then go to um, the computer lab editing photos, missing class. And like, you know, for Europeans listening, when you miss the college in uh, the States, you're paying for it. So it's kind of stupid. But I remember like (laughs) being within that and thinking to myself like, oh, I actually want to do this thing more than anything else. Yeah, just kind of clicks. Yeah, it totally does. you know, one of my early photography mentors when I was starting out was a Northern Irish photographer named Graham Smith. And um, he's a really, yeah, he's a really interesting dude. His philosophy towards photography was always that less is more in regards to equipment, that you should strive to be able to get what you can with what you need, essentially, with minimal equipment. And over the years, I feel like I've noticed that this is an approach that you've kind of taken on. Like, would I be right in thinking that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like what I use for the most part, I try to make it as like minimal as possible. I mean, maybe it's the way I've like learned to shoot because I think, you know, especially a lot of like how I developed, especially with like my portrait work was doing portraits at festivals, right? So like at festivals, you have like five minutes with an artist and you're like backstage and there's probably nothing to shoot against. There's like, a black tarp there's like you know some tents or something it also depends on the festival of like obviously but in general like you you know there is a cool festival and you're like shooting the same one every year it's just like well how can i make it interesting and that was like it was like a fun cha- like i i try to make it into like a fun challenge and um that requires like being very mobile and being like quick and so like yeah like i think i kind of like that's helped me a lot in I guess my approach to even like studio work or like when I'm doing press shoots or something it's like obviously I want to get the shot but like I want to be able to be as like mobile as possible so say if like we want to jump around to a few different spots it's like how can I work in those situations quickly and that's also you know led me to like play around with different cameras and be like oh well this camera's cool and it'll be like quick like oh, this Polaroid will be easy to just like take and use and it'll make like a really interesting photo and I don't need anything crazy for it. I think that's also indicative of something I've noticed over the years with artists where 
I don't know if it's like a human psychology thing or just like a general, like, I don't even know how to describe it, but there is something I've noticed when you're with an artist and you have less equipment, like, you know, physical equipment. And it's almost like this kind of silent respect and understanding from the artist. I feel like sometimes when there's like a lot of equipment, a lot of big lights, some artists get to that headspace of like, oh, I need to be almost different than who I am to be appropriate in this kind of setting. But like when you have a little bit less, it's almost like you could get a little bit more of a connection. Yeah, I mean, it kind of brings down this wall that like, I mean, again, like going back to Polaroids, a lot of like when I was first shooting was just like shooting Polaroids after shows. I'd like meet a band or something. And um, I mean, not just with like artists, but with like anyone, I feel it kind of feel like it gave space for the artists to feel like they could be more themselves. which is like what I wanted to capture because you're not sticking like a big like DSLR in their face or something. It's like, I definitely want to make it as comfortable as possible, you know? And I feel like that comes through in your work a lot. And, you know, one of the most surprising things I've found with having a creative pursuit is that it can teach you about yourself in ways that are surprising. Like I always find myself telling young photographers nowadays how so much of the work in regards to photography is beyond the photography element. It also has a lot to do with being like a people person. And, you know, that said, I wonder, like, what are some surprising things you feel photography has taught you about yourself? Because I imagine there must be loads. Um, I think it's taught me. I mean, I think you're also correct in saying that. I mean, you could be like the best photographer. You could be the best music photographer in the world, right? But for the most part, like, if you suck as a human, you know, or if you just like can't be chill in a situation, like especially when it comes to touring or doing like studio work or things like that, like people aren't going to want to work with you. It's just like being a real human as well. I think um, a lot of people take for granted. But yeah, I mean, I think that definitely has a big part in these bands I tour with. It's like they're my friends and that's what it feels like. It's not like, that's I think how it should be because it's like that that's that's what you want to capture when you're you're on tour like capturing them like they're my friends you know what I mean you know just going even further like there's so many bands you've toured with over the years but in the context of what you said so specifically I think where that comes across so beautifully is photos I've seen you've taken of falls where I've talked to some of the members over the years like kind of loosely and I feel like something I've noticed is that they're really kind guys, but sometimes they could be guarded and not in a bad way. But I think it's like when you have that band dynamic, it can feel so much like a brothers in arms that sometimes it's almost, you know, it's almost like a kind of gang mentality. But I think what's really cool in how you photographed them over the years is that it's clear you're part of that. Like I've seen, and I, you know, not to call shade to any other photographers, but I've seen it where you can tell with some other people's work that their walls are up. But with you, I feel like it's been really cool to see. It's like, oh, she's almost like part of the band in a way. I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, just you saying that you feel that way by looking at the photos. And I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, again, like how I kind of hope to capture. I just want to, I want to capture people like being themselves and people are dynamic. So there are sides to like every artist or person that's, you know, you could be a rock star one second, but then you can be, I don't know, doing something crazy, throwing a lamp across the room the next second, or just like, you know, waking up in the morning and like seeing your family. People are dynamic is what I'm trying to say. Those are all bad examples, but (laughs) you know what I mean? And I want to capture like, like I want to capture that. 
You know, you know where I think you did that beautifully? And like, I, I think it was like shortly after Foles released uh, that album, What Went Down. I think they did like a cup, a show or a couple of shows at Village Underground in London. Yeah, yeah <laughs> those photos are some of the best, man. Like the oh, way they cool. are in them. I love them so much. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that was fun. I think that was my first time at Village Underground. But um, yeah, that was just that was just one night. It's a cool venue. It was really small. I mean, full shows are always fun, but especially like in the UK, you know, they're superstars. Yeah, yeah. like people love them. Like it's yeah. amazing. So seeing them in that setting was like really cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. something I find very specific to photography, like, you know, earlier I was saying like creative endeavors as a whole, but I think what's kind of very central to photography is that we all end up having this experience where we strive to make it our lives. And something I've noticed is, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, is that you focus so hard on making it your life that you don't have a moment where you really realize that it is. Like maybe you do, but it happens after the fact. And I wonder if this was the case for you. Like, do you remember when it hit you that, oh yeah, photography is my life now? I think it's kind of similar. It was just kind of gradual. Like I put everything I had into it, but I think for a long time, I know I want to do this, but am I really going to be able to do this? And then it just kind of happened. Like I can't really like pinpoint a time. I know there was like moments throughout my career that were, I think, like, important that, you know, like, doing my first tour, like, doing that tour with Foles, like, you know, that, that was, like, huge, and then, like, through that, I met Cage, because Cage was opening for them, and, you know, it, like, that was, like, a big moment, and there's, like, spots I can, like, you know, getting my first gig, like, with Gorilla versus Bear, like, that, like, I can pinpoint those, but then, especially with, like, being freelance and kind of just getting used to, your life being like very unpredictable and like spontaneous you're just kind of always mentally in that state at a certain point it gets to like oh well like you know that's my life but I can like pay rent now (laughs) so (laughs) it becomes this thing where instead of trying to like like we were talking about it earlier just like stepping back and just you know I feel like the longer I'm doing this like the more grateful I am that I'm like able to do it and I step back and like remember that whenever I get too like caught up you know, or if I ever feel like overwhelmed, I just like try to remember what I'm doing. And like right now I'm in that place where it's like, okay, like I'm doing this and I'm grateful and I feel things are going well, but will I ever be, is there ever going to be like an end point? You know, I feel like there's always going to be something for me to want to, there's always going to be another thing to accomplish basically. (laughs) Well, you know, like, you saying that, that's something I've really appreciated about you over the years and like the talks that we've had, because I feel like out of all the people that I've gotten to know over the years, you've always done a really good job at just being very open and direct about like how so many of like the struggles that you deal with in like the early days as a photographer, or even a creative in general, are things that don't really dissipate as you get more successful. Like, you've always had this nice awareness that people might look at you and think like, oh, she's made it. Like, she's the person. But you've always done a really nice job at when people talk to you. You're like, no, I'm just a photographer. Like, I'm not the photographer. I am just a photographer. I've always appreciated that about you. Oh, well, thanks, Ken. (laughs) (laughs) I do have kind of a knack for doing that. I don't know. No, I mean, I, I mean, I think, I think it's like a healthy thing to keep wanting to like, keep feeling like there's something you can do and there is a big thing the last couple of years is like starting to do music videos and that's like terrifying but it's also a completely different way of like working like you're working with groups and you're learning a completely new realm of 
media. So that's been like really exciting. And, you know, I guess I can't understand how anyone with it, like any career path, they're passionate about it. How could someone just like go, for example, like to a music festival every year, right? And just be content with doing the same exact thing every year, like going in, shooting the same thing. You do that one year and next year, like what can you maybe like add to that? Like you could do like something there, there should always be that space for you to like push yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone. And then, I don't know, it's something I obviously, there needs to be like some balance as well with you pushing yourself and also not pushing yourself to a point where you just completely give up. And that's when I talk to a lot of photographers, like, especially in this last year, I feel like that's where things kind of go wrong. And, um, and maybe in some level, we're all just too hard on ourselves as well. I I think like, long story short, no matter what point (laughs) of your career you're in, you're always going to have that, I think, especially if you're like driven in what you're doing. I think that's very true. And, you know, I was going to bring this up later, but it'd be a good time to bring it up now. Like you brought up how you've been doing music videos and you've gotten to make music videos for Cage the Elephant, The Big Moon, Twin (laughs) Peaks and Bronco. And there are two things that I'd really love to explore with you in the context of like making music videos. One, how did you find making the transition to video? Because for people who are unaware, going from photography to video, it's almost learning a language that you feel like you think you would already know, but it's almost like an entirely different dialect. Yeah, it's true. You know, there's like dif- different terminologies for the same thing. It's, um, I mean, I guess my transition was like, when I was doing photography, I would also, I had a Super 8 and would like mess around with that. So I was always toying with just like small video things here and there, or like tour uh-huh. videos, you know, things that were more just me doing video, but like just me doing it the Broncho video that you, you brought up, that was the first time that I worked with like a production team and I had a DP and a producer. And that was something where it was like, oh, this is what the world looks like. And this is just like on a very small scale of it. So I was terrified because I, <laughs> I was just like, I'm supposed to direct this? Like, are you, like, you know, it's just people that are just like video people and um, just know that world so well. And then you just like dive into it as a photographer who's trying to be a director. And you're just like, what are these people? Like, what do they think of me? And um, it, was, it was great. You know, the DP was just like, no, this is, we wanna give you the space to like be able to do as much as you can creatively. And this is our job to bring your vision to life. Yeah, I think it was cool learning just like how much more you can do <laughs> when you have a team of people. And that transition from photography where you're just like working mainly on your own to being like, oh no, I can like give these things away and we can create something. We can create this idea and make something so much bigger out of it because everyone is like so good at what they do. You know, it's been cool. You know, it's definitely a lot more work, especially if you're like editing all your videos, you need to upgrade all of your gear, (laughs) all of your computers. I got my iMac here, you know, writing treatments (laughs) is, Another thing, I think with me, it's been a good practice in like having these ideas, learning how to like put them on paper. I can, I'm better at just like thinking of something and like executing it, but to actually like write it on paper has been like a good experience for me with doing videos. I like, I remember on that video, I was just like, I remember I was wanting like some slow motion stuff, and then the DP was like, Oh, do you want me to crank it? I was like, 
crank it? Yeah, a slow motion. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) So (laughs) things like that, you just kind of, you learn along the way, but like you got to learn somehow by doing it, right? Yeah, I'll I'll just say real quick. Video's fun. That's I'm glad to hear it. I'll just like mention real quick that it's funny actually because you mentioned um, treatments and um, funny enough, my first job out of college was uh, work at a production company and designing them like an InDesign and also assisting in the copy editing. So for people listening or unfamiliar, treatments are essentially the best way to describe them. They're like it's like a pitch book of like how a director or production company will think about uh, approaching a project and kind of like having references to imagery and kind of like. Uh, a breakdown of the approach and the way scenes can go and it sounds simple but it's interesting how you know thinking about like a film project it forces you to have like this big bird's eye view that's almost like it can like get really difficult to wrap your head around it sometimes yeah especially when you know you write treatments that are sometimes like really personal as well and so you're trying to like write down what it means to you or like if you know something's gonna like translate well on screen, but just like writing it on paper, it's just, how do I convince them that this is a good idea without it sounding completely crazy? So yeah. um, it also takes a lot of trust. It does, and yeah. a lot of time. Um, the second thing I wanted to know about your video work is how important has it been for you to have your visual style as part of your video work? Because when I see a music video you've directed, I immediately know that you did it before I had to look at the credits. And no, I, I mean, though I, I, it's funny, though I say that I do remember watching um, Post Animals video for How Do You Feel? And I thought that was also super different for you to do as well. Yeah, that one was a little more heady. Had, had some fun with the editing too. But yeah, I mean, I definitely want to leave my stamp on it. One thing that's been a, a bit difficult for me to give away is like the editing process. So uh, it's because I did that once and um, it was definitely, the video came out not the way I wanted it to look at all. Uh-huh. It, was, it was fine, but it was, uh, you know, after that experience, and this was like early on, it was just like, all right, from now on, I'm gonna take the extra time and just kind of like do it myself for better or worse. And maybe right now it's just a matter of like finding the right editor like i you know the dp that i work with he's like incredible like the producer he was just like a homie who just like came up to me one night at a party and he was like i want to start doing videos for you and i was like all right <laughs> and we all just like ended up we work so well together and like we kind of understand how we our brains operate like one of the big reasons i wanted to talk to you is that there's so many ways that you've inspired me and in how i think about approaching work and you know one of the many ways you inspired me was your approach to your website, which seems like such a simple (laughs) thing, but like, honestly, it took me years to finally make one. I think I started shooting around uh, 2009. I didn't have a website till like 2015. And I remember looking at yours years ago, like when it looked different, obviously. And I remember spending a long time looking through your work and wanting to emulate that experience where I remember I would like click to the next shot and you would have this really great way of just showcasing the range. Like it didn't matter to you if the photo, the next photo I saw was so different. It was like, let's show a wide selection of photos that showcase different emotions, locations, and essentially like how diverse the work is. It it's even exists now from your current website. And I wonder like, how important do you feel it is to showcase diversity when it comes to your work in terms of like, you know, the technical approach, the colors, just like in a general sense, like showing that you could do more than just one thing. Yeah, I mean, that's, I definitely just like 
when I try my best to show like the range of things I'm capable of doing and whether it's just like, you know, editing in different styles, you know, I, I mean, it, it all at the end of the day, like I, I, it still ties back to me and like how I want it to look, but, you know, I think it's definitely been important to, yeah, like I can shoot live music, but I can also shoot portraits and I can also, you know, go be a fly on the wall in a studio. I like, I enjoy every aspect of like music photography and I want to be able to do every aspect and like work in every like world. So like, yeah, not just with like what you're shooting, but like whether it's like your editing or like different mediums you shoot on, you know, my, my first job I got was because of like, because I was shooting Polaroids. So like even recently, like a lot of the work I've been getting people have, um, been like, yeah, we want you to do more of like your super eight and Polaroid work. And these are like bigger companies too. So that's like something that's, you know, something that they'll see on like your site or like, you know, they'll see, like they've seen it on my Instagram. So yeah, like I, I want to be able to, you can tell by my website because it's, because it is like very (laughs) maximalist. (laughs) I like, it was, it was like that already, but, um, over quarantine, I think all of us spent the first few months either like archiving our photos or updating our websites after five years so i went i went all out <laughs> yeah well even the approach that you have it's similar to the approach i wanted to evoke where obviously like having a name is important and like you know it's something i kind of personally detest but i do understand the context of it of like how as creatives we do have to think of ourselves as brands and present ourselves as brands in a sense but what I've always appreciated about you and it's evoked within your website is that the photos are presented in a way where the focus is just on the photo. Like it doesn't feel like there's um, a lot of tertiary elements, even on the menu, like it's not disruptive. It's like, if I'm looking at the photo, I'm only looking at that. And yeah, it's just, it's really nice. And I also love how the way you present your work, it kind of goes against, I mean, how do I say this? So there's like this old attitude and idea from like some older photographers that you should show a limited amount of your work. Like it's yeah. you see on some people's websites, it's like, yeah, maybe that's like a lot of weird old rules. Like show 20 or 30 photos, but like, I, like, and I understand where some of that comes from, but I love the fact that you say fuck it and you just show such a wide range. Cause I think it's, um, it's effective, you know? Thanks. And I know that's, you know, that, that is the rule, right? That's what you've always been told with like portfolios. It's just like show, you're like your best 20 shots or whatever. <laughs> and yeah, I'm not gonna do that. No, <laughs> but like, I also wanted to build my site to where like, you know, if somebody does come and check it out, like even if they do see a few photos, okay, they'll like exit. But if they want to like go in there and like get lost and see, you know, like there's a lot for them to look at. So like, if they do just kind of want to get lost in photos for a second and like, that's, there for them (laughs) i used to have uh your website bookmarked like years ago like i remember yeah (laughs) i totally did yeah because it would be it kind of goes to what we were talking about like earlier on about like to be a photographer a music photographer you should have this element of love towards it and i remember like when i first started getting into your work it would be a thing that anytime i saw like a new photo of yours it almost felt like an event it was just like wow this (laughs) is like pretty badass Yeah, did you did you follow my blog? <laughs> I totally followed your blog. I absolutely <laughs> followed your blog. Which is funny because you know that was pre-Instagram for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still have a blog section on my website. And it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, I enjoy having it, but it's almost 
like saying it out loud it's almost like funny to think about oh yeah blogs they're things. yeah yeah i mean i would I, that was how i'd share my photos just be like here's my acl gallery my mm-hmm. acl portraits here's you know i had a tumblr for like a second and then yeah now everything's instagram right <laughs> yeah yeah it is you know this next question blogging is, back we should bring blogging back yeah, yeah. instagram's not it not anymore not like website photo blogging yeah, we should. Yeah, because it is such a. It's I'm a block. Because <laughs> it is an effective way to still showcase your work. Interestingly enough, like even though it's like out of like I don't even know. So. I mean, if you want to like present a full gallery and not just ten photos, and also if you want to present them however you want, like so yeah. where it's like you could see it big on a screen. Well, you you know my website's built out of a uh, DPG, which yours yeah. is too. Right? Yeah. 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 Andrew. Mr. Andrew Kendall. Andrew Kendall. Yeah. And that's something I appreciate within how they went about making the blog stratosphere, how it's like you get to play with the sizing and the order and all that. I really enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, Andrew, he's, I mean, do you know, I don't know if you know much about his history. He, he was a prolific music photographer. I mean, he's, he is still, but like, yeah, shot for enemy, you know, has his like libertines history, like incredible photographer. And yeah, then he started like, um, he was also like a teacher, like coder, and then like built DPG just like out of scratch. And like he was the reason I really started shooting in the UK. Because funnily enough, coming back to that Blur show, I ran into Andrew because I followed him on Flickr and I recognized him. And I oh, asked wow. him for a Polaroid. And I should find that Polaroid. I don't know where it is, but <laughs> somewhere <laughs> on my computer. But um, from there, like we met. And then that next summer, like I started he was kind of like starting up DPG and you know, these festivals were using DPG to like host their photo galleries. So like we would kind of work as like the photo team for these festivals. And he just kind of like brought me on for that. Yeah. Like from there is kind of how I really started shooting like in the UK and like, you know, legitimately. Yeah. I have a lot to thank Andrew for Andrew and his partner, Chris, but like Andrew, I mean, not only with DPG, just creating that like incredible platform, but just also as a friend and just, oh. yeah, his, uh, he's had like a crazy photography history. Like, I mean, I'm sure you've seen like his Libertines photos and stuff. And, yeah. and his uh, Amy Winehouse stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. Amy Winehouse, Radiohead, just, you know, all, all the big ones. Um, so yeah, when I was, you know, I mean the Flickr days, it's like crazy to even think about that, but it feels like uh, a lifetime ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but seeing his work was just like so cool. Um, and to like meet him and like get to know him. And now uh, he's built like this incredible, this become a DPG ad. But I'm really like, <laughs> I, I love the, like the platform is great. And he's able to like make it like to where like, what do you want, what do you as a photographer like want to do with your site? Do you want to do this? Like, yeah. do you want to build a cool blog? Do you want to like sell prints? Do you want to, you know, there's so many things you can do with it. And he just, that's just like, he thinks like a photographer. I'm totally fine with the having like a semi DPG like ad within the <laughs> because there's been several times where I've needed like different updates and like technical help with like uh, the website and the blog. And I've inundated both Andrew and Chris with emails about it and they're yeah. always super lovely. So yeah, it's well-deserved. They have a very cute cat too. Oh, oh that's amazing. Um, this um this next question is a bit more for me. Actually, I would say it really is for me, but 
Like, <laughs> I, I, I've grown to love uh, Black Pumas, who are a band that are essentially local heroes in Austin, Texas. You've got to work with them before, and I know you're proud to call Austin home. Um, what was it like to work with Black Pumas? Because what's interesting to me is like, I haven't had the chance to meet them yet, but from what I've known about them and what I know about you, I almost feel like maybe it was a matter of like kindred spirits in terms of how they approach creativity. Yeah, well, I mean, they, I mean, just in the last, what, like, year or so, blew up. I mean, it's been, like, incredible just seeing what, I mean, they, they also had, like, the first big show back at Stubbs, like, after, you know, after COVID, and, it, yeah, they really are, like, hometown heroes. Like, they've been able to, like, break out of Austin and become just, like, this huge phenomenon, and it's been really cool to watch, because I feel like a lot of Austin bands probably, you know, struggle with that like not being classified as an austin band yeah and um you know and i'm sure in different cities like being a you, you know you can be you know grouped in as like a brooklyn band or whatever but like you see that in austin as well but no it's really cool i actually um well like you know austin i was there for 12 years i live in la now so i've been oh. i've been living here for a year and a half um, oh. but i go back to austin like all the time still obviously and uh, I shot them when they were here. Uh, they were doing like a Verizon, it was like a, like a live stream. So that was, um, I guess that was technically my first show like since COVID, but it was to oh. a crowd of no one at the Wiltern, but it was like a full live production. And that was the first time I met either of the guys. And it was a super small world. Cause like I knew their tour manager, like I toured with them before and their actual manager, um, I also know him from other work. So it's all, it was all like very connected and it, it felt cool. And it was cool, like, I don't know, just like witnessing how far they'd come. Yeah, and I know like um, Ryan, their manager has like a crazy story with like how he discovered Eric. He was just like busking on the streets in Austin and was just like, you have an incredible voice. Like, I need you to be in a band. And basically just like, you know, you need to like do this. And he was right. <laughs> yeah. And what's beautifully profound about that story, uh, for people who might be unfamiliar with Austin, Texas, is that, I mean, you'd be hard to spit and not hit a busker. So to, like, stop mm -hmm. at one and really have that moment where it's like, oh, you're the spe there's something special about you. It's, like, yeah. it's really beautiful. Yeah, I you know what's interesting is, like, I heard friends of mine talking about them in Europe first, like, maybe, like, at the tail end of 2019. And I would see the name a lot. And then a friend sent me colors, and I just, you know, like it started from there and like their album's amazing yeah. and yeah i'm seeing them sometime in september i can't wait i really can't wait yeah i think they're they're gonna be at a couple of oh i think i'm gonna see them in a couple of weeks um oh. lollapalooza <laughs> oh you lucky fuck oh god that's gonna be amazing yeah because yeah well it's, it this is what's always interesting about doing podcasts by the time people hear this it will be long have already <laughs> I mean, God, we have so many friends who are going like this year performers like um, on, on the yeah. last season of this podcast where I was talking to Anna from Heinz and she's telling me yeah. how the Heinz girls are super excited about getting to go again. Yeah, they're playing. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be cool. I think it's like, is it like the first big festival back? It must be. At least like the first big music festival back. That's like. Bonnaroo is like happening in September and everything yeah. else is like a little bit after. should be there too. Oh, <laughs> probably. I mean, it's your life. That's your life. <laughs> Hopefully. 
Another thing I wanted to ask you that was definitely more for me, but I'm sure people listening will enjoy it because, you know, how can you not? Because (laughs) I remember a few years back feeling like an intense wave of jealousy towards you because you got to do, and it goes back to what I brought up at the top of the talk, you got to do a portrait shoot with Damon Albarn in the woods during Latitude Festival. Yeah. (laughs) I love those photos so much. It's one of those things where it's just like, I mean, what was it like to experience that? Because you're as you mentioned when it came to like the blur show you were there as a fan so like to be able to do photos of him there's been a couple of those moments where i've just like this has really come like full circle and getting to like sit that close to damon albarn was definitely one of those moments (laughs) um that that was with that was for enemy and yeah it was at latitude festival and we were doing an interview with them so they just needed me to come and record the interview just like because i had a dslr so I was just like sitting there, like trying not to shake, um, like recording this interview. And then at the end, we like weren't planned. To, like it, photos weren't planned. Like I was just there, like recording the video. But like I just like asked him at the end. I was just like, "Is it alright if I just get a quick shot?" And then I saw his. I don't know if it was like his manager or who it was. Like come up, and he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's cool." And then he just did like a couple of quick poses. Like he was really cool about it. Like he was just like, "Yeah, it's fine." And yeah, they ended up using that photo for the magazine. But that was totally just, it's one of those moments where you're just like, you, you also realize that with photography, you really got to like just put yourself out there in a lot of ways too. You got to just like not be afraid to ask. You can't just, don't just like already like give up before you even try in a lot of ways. Like something like ask, just asking someone for a photo nicely, the worst they can do is like say no. But you'd be surprised how many people will say yes, even when it comes to like touring and stuff. And so I was just like, I know it's Damon Albarn. And <laughs> like, I, I mean, I fucking love him. And but I was like, I'm just going to do it. And he said, yes. And God, so- what a lovely story. And like, that's one of those things. It's like you're saying, like, that's definitely a lesson I think people should take with the man. I mean, he's like, he's not one of, he is my biggest like creative. Hero. <laughs> like, I, I love the yeah. guy too. Yeah. I mean, Blur is definitely one of my, one of my favorites. And I mean, just all, I mean, everything Damon Albarn does is just like really interesting and new, like obviously gorillas. And then what was it like? Um, I think I saw the good, the bad and the queen once at South by, it was like a whole, it was like an enemy showcase and it was like them and razor light and Lily Allen. And I think it was like Jamie T. It was like very 2006. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like he just does so much. It's incredible. Yeah. That's amazing. Before I get to like these last few questions, I just remember, like, as you were saying that, I just remembered that he played Rockslid Festival a couple years ago. Some friends of mine went, and I'm pretty sure he was DJing, not even performing, but it was like a big thing. And like, uh, Rockslid is a festival in Denmark for people who don't know. And um, it was a big thing in like the Danish papers where he was so drunk while he was DJing that security actually had to like um remove him from the stage and a friend of mine who was there shooting got photos of him with like being on the back of the security guards and making like drunk faces and stuff but, oh my God. It, but it was like when the festival because you know some of the festivals they have late night sets it was like at yeah. four o'clock in the morning or something yeah i was like what do you expect yeah. and you just want to leave were those photos did they ever come out or like yeah they I, did yeah it's one of those things oh yeah, if, if people google damon alban rock slid i'm pretty sure they come up i'm, I'm more <laughs> than sure um, just, i've never seen him but 
sounds like he just looks like he's having a good time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he's just having yeah. a good time his life. Um, I'll be asking a few people this throughout uh, this season of the podcast. And it's very interesting to getting a chance to ask you this because you've had the chance to travel, but you're just in New York and you've been to London like in the last year or so. Like you did the Wolf Alice yeah. photos there, right? Yeah, I went back in March. Is there a place that you're looking forward to getting to once this pandemic thing kind of blows over, like a place you've been missing? I mean, I'm definitely excited to get back to Europe again. I mean, going to the UK, like it was really, I'm definitely like so grateful. Like I got to go, like got double backs, did like, you know, the whole quarantining and um, yeah, just like spent a few weeks there and just like knocked out some shoots back in March and Luckily, didn't get too sick, but was like quarantining there just in case. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, so that was kind of like a taste. But, you know, I mean, even now things are really weird in the UK, just like uh, with restrictions and stuff. But like back in March, it was definitely like things weren't really open yet still. Yeah. You know, like people were out and it was getting like a little more lax. I think like the rules were like you can like go hang out in like public parks and stuff but like restaurants and bars weren't open yet so that was like interesting it was funny just seeing people being like okay we've got every night this week week booked at like five different bars like the day like bars open i mean i'm excited to get back there again like once festivals are happening and tours are happening and you know things are like in a better place just overall not just with them but like with everyone weirdly because i think like half the bands i've worked with are australian i've never been to australia so that's like uh-huh. been the one thing where I'm like, I need to go. Like I need to go like the Giz Fest and there's like Laneway. There's like so much cool stuff. And I mean, just going and experiencing that country would be cool. But also there's just like so much great music and like, you know, there's friends out there. So I think that's that's the next big one for me. And also Japan. Never been to Japan. I've never been to Japan. I've been to Australia, but as a kid, like uh, with yeah. my parents, like I was like maybe four. I don't remember it, but. As you, as you mentioned that just now, I was curious, have you ever worked with this band Gang of Youths by any chance? Ever done photos of them? Yeah. Yeah, they're fucking lovely guys. And like, as you were saying that, I'd like, they're from Australia. They're they really live, nice, yeah. They, yeah, they're really nice. I think they live in London now, but I was just thinking like, knowing um, David, their singer, he would love you. Like he would get on, <laughs> you two would definitely get on like a house on fire. Yeah, he like long brown hair, right? Yeah. I, yeah, we um, did some photos I mean, I know they're like huge in Australia too, or like not just in Australia, but like I think here they do pretty well too. I, you know, McClay, right? I know he works with them a lot. Yeah, yeah. Incredible photographer. Shout out McClay. <laughs> amazing, amazing photographer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I, I like seeing his photos of like the shows they play out in Australia. It's like, dang, they're playing arenas and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's super wild. And, um, you know, before we uh, wrap up, like, I know it's a big question, but I'd love to explore it with you. Like when you think about your career in photography and what you've achieved and the connections you've made around the world, not like just professional connections, but like on a human level, because I think that's what's been really special for you is that people around the world have gotten to know your photos and you've had the chance to talk to them through the internet and that. I wonder like, what do you feel it is that keeps you going? Like, I don't want to say a word like goal, but what more do you feel like your creative spirit is chasing? I just know, like, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Like, I just, even when I don't have to do, when, when I don't have to go to a show or like, I don't have to take photos, it's still all I'm doing, because I want to. 
being able to do something that doesn't feel like work and being able to do something that, I don't know, being able to like document the music world, which is like something, you know, documenting that culture right now. And, you know, I think it was weird. I was having this conversation with someone yesterday about like photographers go through this, like, what does it all mean kind of thing. And I don't, I don't know, like, again, we were talking about it earlier. Like I know how, how music and photography changed my life and what it did for me when I was first discovering these artists or like, and so like, I, I hope in some way, like all of our photos, like every music photographer, I mean, we're documenting culture and I hope that in some way that gets passed down to other people that may discover a band through a photo or, I don't know, I think like that's, it's what drives me because it's like, it's, it's important to me. <laughs> you know, when we first met, I, I mentioned this to you, like when I got into photography, it was through the work of uh, Danny North. And a big reason why is because I saw his photos and every time I would look at them, I'd find myself thinking like, I didn't know a camera could do that. Like I would always leave feeling that way. And yeah. the reason I bring that up is because the only other photographer in my life that's ever made me feel that way is you. Like your work <laughs> constantly does that to me. So yeah, I just want to say like, I do really appreciate you taking the time to chat, even though like we're friends and we know each other. It's just that your yeah. work has done a lot for just how I think about work. And yeah, it's been a very big thing in my life. Thank you so much. That, that's what keeps me going, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> that kind of like, you know, and I'm sure people like look at your work as well. Like, if it, like it, it does matter. Like when we think it doesn't, like it does. There's got to be someone out there keeping, keeping the music alive. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think so. Thank you so much for checking this out. Be sure to subscribe to The New Exchange via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you stream podcasts. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank <laughs> you.